You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Hey, it's Michelle. Welcome back to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Today, we are going to have a little girl chat. And I don't know where you're listening to this episode. I don't know if you're in the car or if you're at home. And I certainly don't want you to stop whatever you're doing. But if you have the opportunity to, I don't know, get get some fuzzy slippers. I've got mine on. Uh, maybe a clay mask. <laughs> We're going to have a little fun conversation today. We're going to be tackling the question, am I ready to date? This is a question I hear from you all very often. It's certainly, I had a question for myself coming out of a divorce. And we're going to talk about that today. I have an awesome guest. Her name is Star Burrows. And Star has a podcast called The Confident Single Woman. Star is a Christian dating expert. And I just love her style because she is completely biblically solid, but very real at the same time. And she gives just some incredible advice in this conversation. In this conversation, you're going to hear me share some personal stories of how I have arrived at the answer to this question for myself. And that is not always a completely straight line. There are definitely some ups and downs and things that happen in this, but Star gives some great hope and great encouragement that though it may feel a little awkward, it may feel a little confusing, you can still find your way in this. Now, the approach I've taken here with Agape Moms and the Christian Single Moms podcast, if you're new to the podcast, is that when it comes to whether or not you should date or whether or not that's something that is right for your situation, we stay out of that conversation entirely. I feel very strongly that that's an important conversation for a woman to have with God and for her to always be seeking his will in her life. But that being said, there are going to be those of us who are going to feel called back into that. And I think these conversations are really important to have so that we can just do that really well that we can feel like we're taking on what God has for us in the future and that we're walking into that in a way that grows us and protects our children as well. Before I share my conversation with Star, I would like to make sure that I let you know about Faithful Counseling, our sponsor. I have loved Faithful Counseling as I have gone through this season of healing and discovering what God has for me because I just need sometimes that other person to talk to about the things that I'm going through, whether it's within me or whether it's within a relationship, and just get some more context, get a better read on the situation, and see what it is that I can grow in so that I'm walking through this season in the healthiest way possible. If you go right now to getfaithful.com slash single mom, you can actually get 10% off your first month. So if you're interested in checking out Christian counseling, I highly recommend that you give a look at Faithful Counseling. I'd also like to tell you about a resource that I've created over at agapemoms.com, and it's a quiz. It's called, What is Your Loneliness Type? And this quiz actually helps you to determine what types of patterns and thinking, of behavior, of all those sorts of things are attributing to your specific experience when it comes to loneliness. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. Each of us is bringing different things from our past into our present that's affecting the way that we're experiencing our life and relationships. So if you'd like to determine your type, go to agapemoms.com quiz. It's a really quick quiz. It'll probably only take you a couple of minutes, but then you'll be able to understand what your specific loneliness type is and then start to understand how to heal it. I'll have that link in the show notes, but again, it's agapemoms.com slash quiz. To give you a little background on Star, Star Burroughs is a Christian love coach, host of the Confident Single Woman podcast, and author of The Ineligible Bachelorette. 
She speaks candidly about roadblocks keeping women from finding love and empowers women by encouraging them to honor God with their passions and live their lives to the fullest. She's actually been married for 10 years, has two children, and is expecting number three next year. I have been following Star's podcast for a while, and I have gained so much knowledge from her and the way that she just puts some of these really emotional concepts into pretty straightforward advice. Here's my conversation with Star Burroughs. Star, I am just so thrilled that you are joining me today. I have gotten so much encouragement out of your work and your podcast, and I'm thrilled. I'm just thrilled to have you here. And I wanted to know if you would tell everybody sort of how you got started counseling women on dating type matters. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this topic And yeah, how I got started had a lot to do with my own experience when I was single. Um, You know, I met my husband in my late 20s and um, we got married in our late 20s. And a lot of the process that I went through when it came to expectations, um, when it came to my own standards and attractions and prioritizing what I was looking for, I had to learn. I learned a lot about myself in that process. And then I had a lot of single friends at the same time who were going through some similar stuff. And I ended up writing a book called The Ineligible Bachelorette, because at the time I was like, this is the one thing that I feel called to do is writing this book. Because it was speaking to myself, (laughs) the ineligible bachelorette, and all the things that I learned to become eligible, so to speak. And um, from there, you know, it's kind of like, well, now what do I do with the book after it was published and everything? I ended up working with a business coach who said, you know, you know what, you can be a coach because I had already helped some friends. So you can be a coach and help other women walk through a similar process that you walked through. So that's how it started was it's kind of my own, my own personal journey. And from there realizing I can help people who have similar uh, journey as mine. I'm so glad that you took on that call because I met my ex-husband when I was 17 years old, and I didn't date a ton in high school. So now I've sort of re-entered this scene in my late 30s, and all these lessons I am learning about men and myself, they're just happening, and they're happening in front of my children. And I shouldn't say in front of my children like it's on display for them, because it's not. But I just realize how much more careful I do need to be about this process and how much more intentional I have to be because it's not just about finding someone that fits into my life, me individually. It's about finding someone whose life coincides with mine and my children and all the things that are going on there. Right. And I know for me, coming out of a significant relationship that lasted just about two decades, that there was some excitement there in starting to discover more about myself and kind of taking on that dating process. But then there was a lot of anxiety that followed jumping into the dating scene as well. I wonder if you could tell us sort of as an expert in this field, what are some of the common mistakes that you see single women who are dating after heartbreak kind of running into? That's an awesome question because heartbreak can be, um, I mean, it's heartbreak is heartbreak. So the whatever causes it, there's a huge uh, variety there, right? It can be divorce. Um, it can be death, right? Someone can be a widow. Um, it can be falling in lo- being in love with someone that you never dated, 
but you're heartbroken when he begins dating or gets married to someone else. It can be, um, you know, just dating someone and then that relationship ends. So heartbreak is a, a powerful, powerful feeling and painful, right? So, you know, I think there's a couple of things that happen when people hop into dating after heartbreak. One of, I guess I'll just kind of quickly say what those two things are that I see is um, some women, and I'm sure men will do the same thing, but people will choose poorly and quickly, quickly and poorly. And the second thing that I see women do a lot is they will become like extremely over, overly cautious and they'll put walls up and not let anyone in. So I'll talk about like the first thing, um, you know, I feel like this is pretty self-explanatory. So, you know, for people who were come out of that relationship or, you know, whatever that specific thing is that caused the heartbreak and for the women who want to just jump back into a relationship, they want that companionship. They want to feel that love. They want to be able to give their love to someone, right? Um, it, they can, they can just make some poor choices because they're, there is this sense of desperation to either have what they had, if it was any decently good, or even just this desperation to to be with someone, to not be by themselves, to not deal with that heartbreak. And of course, when that happens, you're choosing poorly. You lower your standards or you don't even try to have standards. You make poor choices. It's like, you know, trying to find a job when you're desperate, like you'll take the worst job that comes along, which you know, to be honest, that's a better scenario than taking a worse, you know, a terrible mate <laughs> that comes along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A job you can change. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Far more easily. <laughs> right. With, with a, a less problems in that process. Right. So, I mean, I think that's one scenario. And then the other scenario that I see a lot is, especially when it comes to a divorce, um, and especially when it comes to a relationship that just was not healthy, women, and understandably so, will be very very cautious. And, um, they put these walls up and essentially force men, um, to earn their trust back. But the problem is, is that they're forcing, when you start to force like a trustworthy man to earn your trust and to prove to you that he's great when he like, doesn't even know you that well, especially if it's online, he's like, wait, why am I being put, you know, why am I being treated like this? Well, it's because like you have your walls up, you're forcing him to, you know, earn your trust when he's like, I, I am a trustworthy man already. And, and then it's like, in a way you're shooting yourself in the foot because you aren't even, it's that you, you don't trust and um, you're afraid. There's a lot of fear to repeat the same mistakes. And again, understandably so, right. Um, and so you don't want those bad things to happen. And then you start to see every yellow flag that can be out there. I call them pink flags, right? Like you aren't really sure if they're red, but they're really a dark pink and you're guessing that they're a red when in some cases they just aren't. And you're wanting him to prove himself, even though it's like your third online date. So basically in that situation, you're sort of taking out your past on someone who is sort of a bystander in that situation. Yes, that's exactly what it is. You said it perfectly. And I think that's what, and it's by well-meaning women, right? Like you want to protect yourself. You want to protect your family. You don't, you won't repeat the same mistakes, right? You just won't let that happen. And so being cautious is good. Making different decisions is good. Figuring out what your standards and your boundaries are is good. Understanding maybe what you did wrong in the past is good. What you want to do different is good. Like all of that stuff is good. Um, but it, it, it becomes difficult to see the good in the men in front of you 
if you had a terrible man behind you. That makes Mm -hmm. sense. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. I think something I've heard you say on your podcast over and over as well is knowing what you want. And I think sometimes in that situation where we're choosing poorly, it's that we're kind of going in wanting to explore, but we don't know what we want. So we're willing to have really low standards because we're kind of just open to everything. And I think that's for me, I know that's been kind of dangerous because just because somebody has certain good attributes doesn't necessarily mean they're a great fit for you. And you talk a lot about finding a person who is your match. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes if we're not knowing who we are and what we want, we're not looking for a match. We're sort of dating what we're insecure about and trying to validate ourselves. And we're trying to sort of trade up and those kinds of things. So talk more about if we haven't healed first, what kinds of patterns and problems come up in the dating process? Well, I think, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is if you haven't healed, what you do is you just repeat the same patterns that you've been having, you know, dealing with your entire life. Mm -hmm. So I will use this phrase a lot of, you know, circling the same mountain. And when I work with clients, I essentially will say like, have you been circling the same mountain over and over and over again? And you don't know how to get off and you don't know how to stop, you know, it's because there's certain patterns in your life. And if you, if there isn't healing that has taken place, then you get the same results. You, it's like, you're just repeating those pan, uh, those patterns. And, you know, one thing that I was gonna say about that is kind of what you already mentioned is like, there's either no or very low standards. And it's like those low standards that maybe, and not in every situation, sometimes people had low standards that caused them to choose their boyfriend or their husband, right? That's not, that's not always the case. Sometimes, you know, things just work out poorly and unexpectedly and all of that. But if, if that was the case in your situation, um, then those low standards or no standards are going to stick with you forever. Right. And it's just going to, they'll stick with you until you genuinely believe in your own value. And so if that's a healing that needs to take place, especially if you've been with a bad person, right? If there was any sort of abuse whatsoever, Mm -hmm. you essentially have to restore your own self-esteem, restore your own value in yourself and and all of that. So if that's not healed, you're just going to have no or low standards, right? Another thing is that I I touched on a little bit earlier is, you know, one of those patterns could simply be just not trusting someone. And I get that. Like I, it's a, it's like a stranger who feels like you don't trust him for no reason isn't going to stick around to earn your trust. So I, I personally do believe. I mean, trust needs to be earned. Like you prove who you are, right? Like you prove to the people around you who you are. And so in a way, yeah, for sure, trust needs to be earned. But if this person is a stranger. <laughs> And you're set up from a friend or you meet online or, you know, you barely know him from church. You guys are still strangers. And so if you put him in this position where he has to earn your trust, he's thinking like, what did I do wrong? <laughs> you know. And so far, right. nothing, right? And so he's starting out at a deficit yes. rather than starting out at just zero. And it's like, okay, show me who you are and I'll show you who I am. This person is starting out at a deficit that he didn't necessarily cause. Exactly. Exactly. And like what we had talked about before. 
So I think that's, you know, if there's not healing, then that, especially if there was trust that was broken in the previous relationship. And so healing, there needs to be some time for healing because, I mean, we're just human, right? Like if trust was broken in a relationship, of course, you're going to have trust issues. (laughs) Like that's what happens, right? Right. And I, I know that being in a long-term relationship, no matter how it ended, your sense of yourself and your own self-worth comes into question when that relationship ends. So whether it was healthy or unhealthy, or whether it was, as you said, maybe sometimes a person passes away or whatever the case might be, there's still a sense of your own identity that was wrapped up in being part of this couple. And now it's shifted. And for many of us, we go through a process of sort of feeling guilty or shameful about having that label single mom attached to us. And we have to go through the process of knowing that no matter how the relationship ended and no matter where we are right now, that God loves us, that we have an inherent and intrinsic worth purely because we belong to him so that we can become healthy enough to engage in really good relationships. What kinds of things do you encourage women to do to get healthy? So I I think consistent counseling is huge. Um, I think that I've had a lot of clients who've come to me and, you know, they've been in counseling for a couple of years and they, they can tell me how it has literally transformed them. And, you know, you might have to do a little bit of trial and error and find the right fit for you. Um, But to have that consistency when it comes to counseling is, is um, it's massive. Um, I also think like if someone needs to take a break, like just allow yourself to take a break. I think sometimes we feel or it could be really hard on ourselves. Uh, like if, if you need to take a break from dating or, uh, not putting pressure on yourself to be somewhere you feel like you should be and just kind of existing in the moment, even if you're disappointed or unhappy or not where you want to be, just take a break pause for a minute and maybe just have some compassion on yourself. I also think it's a really good thing to get around positive influences. So, and yeah, for sure, like your friendships, right? Like getting around the right people who can love you and support you and all of that. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I want to mention when I, when I say this, like being around those positive influences is it's really powerful to be around healthy people. So if you have any sort of um, issue or like if it's hard for you to believe that a great family unit exists because you or people close to you have had broken family, you know, whatever it is that you have a hard time believing for, if you can be around and see and watch healthy families, you know, whether that's through any sort of volunteer work, through your church community, any way where you can actually see people function in a healthy way. If if you have, if there's been issues with men and there's a, a struggle believing that men are good or men don't cheat or men are kind, right? Like whatever that struggle is, in what ways can you get around healthy men? What, in what ways can you be around healthy, happy men who are, who like their wives, right? Like, yeah. is that, broadening your friendship circle is that getting involved in a bible study that isn't just for single just for singles right like in what ways can you be around these people and and i obviously you know i'm a love coach so obviously hiring a coach and just in general if you have to change your friendships and your whatever those are whoever those people are that are influencing you 
whether it's at a distance or up close, adjust that. Like you need, you need to be healthy, right? So adjust that, be around people who can speak life and not just man bash all the time or not just tell you all of the horror stories of all the terrible things that all the men did, right? Right. You know, and I think that that's been, for my healing, that's been really critical because I realized that in the past, I didn't see myself the way that other people saw me or even that the way that God saw me. And so number one, it was having these healthy couples, maybe who had been through divorces or had now become blended families or whatever that could speak to the relationship aspect and give you some hope. But then it was also being able to say, no, no, I see this in you. You should stop and and appreciate this about yourself. And I think that helped me to understand so often we want to like run into a relationship because we feel like we need something we want to receive. And we totally forget that relationships are work Mm -hmm. and we need to be able to add as well. We want to add to that other person's life. And so it's a giving and a receiving that we have to be able to engage in. And if we're not ready to do both, then we're really not ready to be seeking out a relationship. That's really cool. What are some other ways that we can know whether or not we're healed enough to actually start embarking on that process? Yeah, I have some thoughts here. I'd be curious about a little bit more of your thoughts too, Michelle. Like one of the things I, one of my thoughts was sometimes it's trial and error. Like I I do Mm -hmm. feel like sometimes you don't always know this is where yes. I feel like the compassion for yourself comes in. Like just because like you have had some major healing in one area and then you go on a date and it fails or a, a few dates and it fails or you, or maybe you legitimately made a mistake or legitimately did something wrong that you're like, no, this was wrong star. I shouldn't have done that or said that, or, you know, I, I screwed it up. I, I just feel like there needs to be like compassion and forgiveness toward ourselves in this process. I totally agree. Yeah. If you're walking through healing, like, why would we think that we're supposed to do everything perfectly? Like, you're, you're walking through healing in a certain area. And sometimes you don't know until, like you said, it is a little trial and error because when I first started kind of venturing back into it, I started going online and just having conversations. And one gentleman was really eager to meet me and it freaked me out. And I just like deleted the app. I was like, I can't do this. And it was just my sign to me, like, you're not ready yet, honey. Like if you're not ready to even have a man show interest in you, you are not ready yet. And so then I gave it a little more time and started again to venture back out into it. And it was better. It didn't scare Mm -hmm. me. And it gave me the ability to start looking objectively at people I was meeting and say, okay, if I have anxiety about this, is it because of this person or is it because of what I've been through? And I think you have to be able to ask yourself those questions and not get too emotionally involved in the answers because you do have to have standards. You do have to have the ability to say, you know, I might like this person as a human, but they may not be a great match for me. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that they're, that I'm all of a sudden now like the rejecter of their worth or anything like that. But, you know, there is that, that experience of having to let someone else kind of go or maybe let them down and maybe have yourself be in that seat too. And if, if you aren't ready to engage in that, then that's just another sign too that, hey, if you're not ready to kind of have those objective assessments going on or even subjective assessments going on, then 
then take a pause. Like you're saying, I love that. It doesn't mean like, just cause you're in the pool that now you're in the pool. It's like, you can dip your toe and then jump out. <laughs> I feel like you might get the best answer that way. However, I do, I do say, I do want to say like it, it, you know, hopefully it wouldn't be too long of a process. Like if there are certain trigger points, um, and you're still essentially triggered by them, then yeah, you know, back out. And that's kind of a good clue. Like, you know what, maybe I'm not ready. But if those trigger points don't result in the same emotions that they used to, maybe like kind of like what you're saying, like, oh, a guy can show a lot of interest in me and I can receive it versus being freaked out by it. It's like, oh, it's triggering a different emotion. That's a good sign. Like I can do this. Like if you feel more hopeful, if you feel more positive, like those are really good indicators that I'm ready. You know, something else that really helped me was I read Boundaries in Dating. And that book was just such a a milepost for me to understand that dating doesn't have to mean like I look at every person I sit and have coffee with and be like, are you the man I'm going to marry? That you can just walk into an interaction with someone and just want to learn about a person and learn about yourself Mm -hmm. and see where it goes from there. And I think sometimes that gets lost. And I think a lot of times when we talk about intentional dating and stuff like that, that people will say, no, 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 you have to know, you know, that you're marriage minded and you can be marriage minded for sure, but it doesn't mean that every person you interact with is going to be marriage material. That's true. Even just the right fit. Right. So how do you think we can approach the dating process so that if you are kind of like dipping your toe in, that it just is a little less intimidating. I feel like sometimes we've made it to be this really big thing, especially if you've had a heartbreak, you've been let down, you've been betrayed, whatever the case might be. It can just feel like, oh my gosh, I'm trotting myself out on display and that can feel horrifying. So how do you think that we can reframe this in our minds to make it an enjoyable experience? I love this question. And you actually kind of answered already. One of the first things that I like to tell people to do is just think about it the dating process as meeting a potential friend, you know, and you just said it, like I can learn about this human who's in front of me and he gets to learn about me. And we're just learning about each other. Marriage does not have to be on the end of this. And, um, this is kind of like a funny piece of advice, but (laughs) the majority of the people out there simply are not your husband. They just aren't. Mm -hmm. So chances are, pretty good that that one person you're going on a date with isn't your husband. And I know that's like a terrible, like almost discouraging way. (laughs) For people who have anxiety around this, I think like just to take that pressure off, knowing this man doesn't have to love me after this date. He just doesn't have to. Like, I don't, like like, statistically speaking, the chances are pretty good. He's not my husband. I'm just meeting a friend right now. I'm making a friend, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, especially if there's anxiety high around this, I have a client who kind of does a pep talk in the talk in the car. Once she's on the date, she's good, but she has like this pep talk in the car. And I don't know exactly what it is, but she just tells herself like, you're just, you're just meeting a man tonight. You're just meeting a friend. Like this isn't a big deal. You're just going to talk. It's a little bit of like a verbal pep talk for her. And as she's going to the date, I, I would also say though, before going on a date, you should vet them well enough so that you feel comfortable and safe going out to meet that person. Mm-hmm. Like you should know enough about that person to feel pretty confident that they're a nice guy who could possibly be a friend. So what does that vetting process look like? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, I have some asking good questions up front. 
So this, it depends on the individual. So if there's anxiety around dating or about around meeting someone new, this is important for people who are like avid daters and I haven't got this online dating thing down. They'll be like, I'll meet a stranger for coffee and I'm, I'm a pro now, right? So if that's not you, then I would, I would definitely do more vetting. So if, if you're looking for to date like a Christian man, then kind of ask like, you know, so how long have you been going to church or... Um, you know, tell me about what it means or what, you know, what, tell me about what, what it looks like to be a Christian in your life. You know, what does that look like for you? I know it looks different for different people. Um, you know, what are those really for you? Like as, as the woman, like what are those deal breakers? Um, if like, if you're like, I don't, I'm, I've met a lot of men who, you know, the profile says they want kids, but don't, they don't want, but then when it comes, when push comes to shove, they don't actually want any more kids. Um, mm-hmm. or vice versa, then you can bring that up, which is an awkward thing to bring up before a first date, but you can actually say, Hey, I've met a lot of men online who say this, but it ends up being this. So I just, you know, I'm curious, your profile said you do want kids. I just kind of want to confirm that. And you can explain why you're confirming that. Not that you're a paranoid person. You can literally say like, not that I'm like, you know, being paranoid. You can kind of explain yourself when you're asking some of these questions. So if there's a couple deal breakers that you want to discover up front, then you can do that. If you are paranoid or have had some bad experiences online, um, if you have their last name or if you want to connect with them on LinkedIn or on social media, then you could ask for that. You could say, hey, one of my like policies, if you want to use that word, um, is just to find someone on LinkedIn before I go on a date. Like, are you on LinkedIn or are you on social media anywhere? Um, just want to kind of make sure that you're real because I've had a couple of bad experiences in the past. And, you know, there will be some men who are like, oh, I don't have any time for that. And then there are other be- there will be other men who are like, yeah, I understand that there's a lot of crazy men in this world and I feel bad for women. So here's my LinkedIn profile, right? <laughs> like, Right. Well, and I found like, that's true. The ones who don't have time for that, it's like, they probably don't have time for a whole lot of other things that you're going to be concerned about. And if you have kids walking into the situation, then that's probably not the greatest match. And if he understands you have kids and you're being cautious and you're protecting yourself and you're protecting your kids and he appreciates that, then that's a, that's a good sign. It's a great way to weed people out without having to pay for a cup of coffee. Exactly. (laughs) And then you feel safe going on this date and even like explaining you have kids and you can say, instead of saying, I've I've heard tons of horrible experiences online, like don't come across sounding paranoid, but you can say, yeah, I've heard of a couple of bad experiences. So I just, I just want to make sure that I can find you online. Like, do you have a LinkedIn profile? Or are you on Instagram or are you on Facebook or, you know, whatever. And these guys have had bad experiences exactly. too, very often. So there's actually sort of a camaraderie I find that comes in there when you talk about if you've had a bad experience, because if they have too, they'll probably mention it. <laughs> so start when it comes to how much conversation to have via text or online in that situation before you actually agree to meet up with someone, what kind of pointers do you have? So again, it does depend on that individual. I feel like women are all over the spectrum. Some women, again, have no problem meeting up with someone in person. I like to vet them out because I don't, I personally, even when I was single, it's just like, I don't want to waste my own time, but some people don't feel like it's Mm -hmm. wasting their time. And so they don't have a problem meeting up in person. But some pointers when it comes to that conversation or texting, it, it depends on your comfort level. So if you don't, if it's too soon for you to go on a date, then you literally say, 
it's too soon for me to go on a date, I would rather spend a little bit more time messaging to get to know you some more. And if you don't mind, I do have some more questions I want to ask. I'm more than happy to answer any questions you have as well. I think that's a great way to know whether or not you're ready to actually go out on a date as well. Because if you can't by text tell someone, hey, I'm not comfortable yet, or hey, these are my boundaries or my standards, then it's going to be a lot harder when you get down to actually meeting them and having to have, you know, some very difficult types of conversations. Yeah. And just explain, I think men who, I feel like sane men understand that there are a lot of insane men out there. Mm -hmm. And when I have had clients say, you know, I prefer not to give out my phone number yet, or I prefer to message more prior to, you know, meeting in person, the majority of the time they are understanding. So when it comes to, we're kind of talking a little bit about standards and, you know, these kinds of things. What do you feel is the role of attraction? I know oftentimes we get out of a relationship and we kind of feel like, wow, there's a, there's a blank canvas here. <laughs> and we kind of start, you walk into a grocery store. I mean, where you may have been, you know, completely committed to your marriage. Now it's weird to ha- kind of have the situation where everything sort of is back open, back on again. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes attraction can be kind of a, a tricky thing as far as what place does it have in pursuing a relationship with someone? So what kind of guidance do you have when it comes to physical attraction? Well, I do think attraction is vitally important. Like overall, you have to want to make out with your husband. Like you, I mean, you have to want to have sex with the man that you're with, right? Like, so mm-hmm. that's, it's just important. Um, that being said, part of the problem that I run into is if no one is ever attractive to you um, on more of an intimate level, meaning more of an emotional or connection level, then there is something going on with you internally because there's plenty of attractive people out there. One of my basic rule of thumbs, though, is that, you know, again, people have such different levels when it comes to physical attraction, but because beauty is in the eye of the beholder, we have this certain societal standard of what beauty looks like. What I want to tell people is whatever you deem to be decent looking, I would start there. Like if you see someone and you think I could never kiss that person, I don't see the point in you going on a date with that person. Um, if you're like, I could, like, I could never hold that guy's hand or like look at him in the face. Like, I mean, that's a terrible, terrible thing to say, but if that's how you really feel deep down, then there's no point in going on a date with them. If that's how you feel about almost everyone deep down, then there's a lot of deeper stuff going on. And that's not, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't like that. So assuming you aren't like that, where you don't have all of this deeper stuff going on and you can't attach to someone and be attracted to someone, like you, you actually are able to be attracted to men. I say start with decent looking because when you add the personality, when you add their sense of humor, when you add their drive or their passion, when you add their hobbies, when you add, you know, whatever it is that they bring to the table that is a perfect fit for you, that decent looking man becomes very attractive because of the overall package. By the way, I do want to say men need to heed that advice because men will shoot themselves in the foot over and over and over again because they are putting way too much emphasis on solely physical, physical beauty. And so the women who follow suit and become like that, they are shooting themselves in the foot as well. We are not animals. We have the ability to see the whole picture 
of that human being and, and be attracted to the, the holistic person in front of us. Now, physically speaking, start with decent. I think that's great advice because I think I've noticed where a person could have such an awesome heart for God and an incredible personality. And if you just looked at them, you'd be like, would I swipe on this person? <laughs> you know? And it's something that if we meet a person, I think in their, I always say in their natural habitat, <laughs> we're, we aren't necessarily assessing them only by their looks yeah. because we're, we're seeing how they carry themselves. Exactly. We're not looking at just a photograph. We're seeing how they, we're seeing their charisma, we're seeing their energy, and that can be so extremely attractive, especially when we consider the fact that the physical things will fade over time. So if this is going to be a relationship that you're going to be in for many decades, hopefully, those outward things are not going to be around. And so if you can at least start with a person, as you say, that is, is decent, I've even read studies where they talk about just familiarity, that being around someone and noticing how they make you feel and those types of things can make an attraction grow. Exactly. And that we shouldn't be counting people out right off the bat. I think when it comes to preferences and deal breakers, like sometimes we get them a little mixed up. Yep. All the time. <laughs> I think it's all the time. And I, and I love when you talk about, you know, and I, I thought about this, you know, when you think about online dating, for example, it, we get so used to like this Amazon mentality of like, oh, I just like push my cart down the virtual aisle and I just pick out what I want, yeah. you know, and online dating, I think we kind of do the same thing and we can do it in real life too, but certainly it's like a build, a build a husband. That's what you talk about. We can't build a husband, right? Mm -hmm. So can you help us to understand, you know, how we can kind of balance these preferences versus standards versus deal breakers to figure out what is a good avenue for us to go down? Well, I mean, I definitely think that you can start with a list. Like, I know that there's, at least when I was growing up, like creating a list for your husband was very taboo. Like you kind of weren't supposed to do that. But I really attribute it to the fact that I was 19 when people were talking about that. As an adult woman who's looking for a, a, a an adult husband who is mature, I'm 100% okay with you creating a list because I'm going to trust your maturity, right? Mm -hmm. So, And I think it's helpful to prioritize that. Like you talk about deal breakers and standards and preferences. Well, let's prioritize that. What's actually important to you? Preferences, number one, are negotiable and standards are not. And so this is where, you know, if you're going to have standards they only become, they're, they're only standards, same with boundaries, they're only standards, they're only boundaries if you actually implement them. You can tell yourself they're standards, but if your preferences always went out, then you are doing yourself a disservice because you're going to circle that mountain until you decide to submit to the own your own standards that you set, right? So standards, they keep you safe. Your standards that are non-negotiable, they keep you safe. They keep you safe mentally, emotionally, and physically. Like if you're violated in any way, that's a standard that was crossed, right? Like if you're with someone who's mean to you or you are letting someone be mean to you because you went on a second, third, fifth date or married them or continued to date with them, just stayed with them too long. I mean, it was just a standard. It was a boundary that was not upheld, but you need to keep yourself safe mentally, emotionally, physically. So those starting out, that has to be a standard for you. And, and I get that you can't always, so sometimes online you get crazy things that happen, not to deter anyone from going online because I'm a huge advocate for it. 
Um, so you can't, sometimes there are just crazy things that happen. It's not going to be your fault because someone is mean to you online, right? Sometimes that happens. But a good way to um, not have, a good way to not deal with someone's mean character online is to start out knowing what some of those standards are. So ask, like, if again, if, it, if it's um, church or being a Christian or, um, you know, do they have kids or like some of those things that are important to you, knowing what's important to you, asking questions to get to, for, to help you discover if this person meets your standards, but you have to know what those are because that's going to help you limit negative interactions online. It's going to help you limit bad dates, right? So you need to have initial standards in place that keep you away from the type of man that you simply don't want to be around. Also, your standards, these non-negotiables, they will lead you to a husband, not a date. Mm, that's good. Have <laughs> your preferences all you want. You can um, prioritize, accidentally prioritize your preferences over your standards all the time. You can circle that mountain if you want. You're going to get plenty of dates, plenty of stories to tell, but you're not going to have a husband. If you want a husband, you follow your own standards. And then preferences are simply like I, I wanted, like I, was, I wanted to say like. Preferences can easily lead you to an affair. Like preferences oh, are just yeah. wow. Yeah, they're just mm-hmm. they're just your preferences, you know? And I'm not saying that they're bad. Like you might have certain preferences when it comes to height or looks or education, right? But your your preferences need to be negotiables. You can be searching for years and years and years for that build a husband, for that perfect person, and refuse to see yourself as a common denominator in it is because you've been prioritizing your preferences over standards. And you, you, it's like you may never be satisfied because you're putting such weight on these preferences. And your preferences can cause you to be nitpicky and judgmental. And they just simply way too often supersede your standards. And that's how women and men, I see this happen with men all the time. It's like I do believe men want a depth of relationship but because they are choosing to allow their preferences and their superficiality to lead them, they are not, they are not um, coming to substance. Like they are not matching up with substance and they think it's other people's fault, right? And women can do the same thing. So you have to know what those deal breakers are, those standards, those preferences, and you have to follow that prioritized list so that you get off that mountain. I love that because what you're describing is that we put when we put preferences ahead of standards that that's where usually a lot of things kind of go off the rails and that if we were to put our standards first as far as how this person treats us how this person behaves with strangers how what kind of character do they have that we'll avoid a lot of the pitfalls of just this dating cycle if we're putting the standard first rather than the preference which is a lot of those physical type things or does he ride a motorcycle or any of that kind of yes, stuff? Yes, exactly. And you will still get some of your preferences because those are your attractions. So right. absolutely, you're still going to get a lot of those preferences. Um, but your standards just have to lead the process. I love the idea of a list too, because I feel like if you can emotionally detach yourself and create this list of things that are important to you and things that you feel that God is calling you to look for in someone that when the emotions start to get into play, that having that list on paper and referring to it can help you to have a more objective focus in a time where the emotions are going to just start to run rampant and kind of take over. 
and that having other people, I found that having other people involved is great too, that know about this list. And very often because they have the ability to look at yourself, look at the people you have been meeting and say, hey, did you realize that the kind of person that you're dating is actually not the person that's on this list? Mm -hmm. And that you actually have a pattern of dating a type, but this is the kind of person that we see for you. And I feel like if you have great friends and wise counsel in those areas, they actually help you to open your mind and keep yourself open to different people that God might bring in your path that you might otherwise be closed off to because of your preferences. Exactly. That's so true. So in the process though, once you finally do kind of start meeting people, oftentimes some of those insecurities and things that we thought maybe we dealt with just sort of do start to pop up. And we might find ourselves in situations where we're actually just wanting attention or validation from somebody. So what are some signs that we might look for that we're doing that? I think a big one is if you're really, really concerned and obsessed with whether or not he likes you. Now, I, I want to explain this because it's really important for a woman to know if a man is interested in her. It's really important to know if a man is going to chase her, or pursue her, if he likes her. That is very important. What I'm saying here is when you're looking for validation, you are minimizing how you feel toward that individual and like maximizing how he feels toward you. And, and how I can explain that is like when you're going on the first few dates, say, like you might be consumed and so worried about how, what he thinks about you. And, but it's because like you're wanting to make sure that you're liked, you're wanting to feel wanted, you're wanting to feel validated. And it's like, Sometimes I think women can get into this place where they want that more than they want the right fit. Just that approval. Yes, exactly. And so if you're constantly like looking for that approval and acceptance and like and want and desire for him, which it can get confusing because that's all necessary. Like you need to know that that's there in order to go down the road of a relationship. But if you're more interested in having that than you are in actually looking at the person in front of you and being honest with yourself and telling yourself if he's actually a right fit for you and your family, then you're truly just looking for some sort of validation and approval and wanting to feel that love from someone, even though he's just simply not the right fit for you. I think that's that's one sign. And that might take some time for, for a woman to kind of figure out if she's there. The other thing that I, I, that I think, though, is that when people are really obsessed with perception, like how do people perceive this man that she's with? Like, you know, you hear about the trophy wife, right? Like, and men seem to be, in, in general, you get kind of the reason trophy wife is even a word is because, I mean, I guess because it's a stereotype, Right. But women will do the same thing when it comes to dating someone or or, um, or choosing to be in a relationship with someone. It's like, if I can get this guy and you're always interested or attracted to the type of guy that everyone else seems to be attracted to, because if you can get that guy, then you have, like, then you've won. And you, then you have that validation. Then you're important. And it just proves that you aren't really healed because you need another man to give you that value that you don't have internally. So it's like if you're kind of obsessed with that perception or obsessed with you're like maximizing 
whether how he feels about you while minimizing how you feel about him. Or maybe even if you're the one doing the chasing, like it's like you need him to want you. You need him to like mm-hmm. you. You need this to work out. Well, why? Like, <laughs> why do you need a relationship to work out with a man who's not interested enough to pursue you or too busy to pursue you? Like, why, why would you need that relationship to work when he's simply not valuing you? Well, and I think that ends up creating a lot of relationships where because you're not focused on how he's treating you, you end up in kind of these halfway relationships where it feels like this person is investing in me. But when you really look at it, especially if you don't have like a great healthy relationship to compare it to, you don't understand that you have to look at it from a perspective also of what is he bringing into your life? How is he showing increasing signs of care for you rather than just even wanting your attention too. Cause I think it goes both ways. I think oftentimes if we're looking for validation from somebody else, we're probably engaged in a relationship where somebody is wanting our validation as well. And everybody's willing to settle for acceptance mm. rather than that deep sacrificial love. Right. That's a really good way to put it. People, if you're willing to settle for acceptance, that might be the answer. One of the answers right there too. <laughs> how, if, how, you know, if you're seeking validation, if you're, if you're willing to settle, I mean, it's settling because you're settling for acceptance rather than settling and truly even believing for a right fit for yourself. Well, and I think I've come to learn over time that if it's not obvious, then that should be obvious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like if it's, if that person's intention for the future and for you and for you know, the way that that person feels about you, if it's not obvious, if you're having to Google, what does it mean when he dot, 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 then (laughs) it probably is a bad sign. (laughs) Star, I'm so, I just love how you've unlocked so many of these things that a lot of us are going through. I, I get these kinds of questions from women on a weekly basis. If there's one thing in in parting that you would want to share with a single mom who's going through this and discovering herself and men and those sorts of things. What's one thing that you would want a single mom to know? Well, I think, you know, one main thing that I want a single mom to know and single women in general is I just want to say like his admiration, love and interest in you. It is simply more important than you getting all of your preferences. What I see happen too often is women will choose, they will, they will um, settle for the man who has their preferences when it comes to status, looks, charisma, uh, you know, whatever it is that's important to you, but he's not really invested in you. And I, all that does is show that you lack value in yourself and it proves that you need a certain type of man on your arm to give you that value that you're already lacking within. And so it's, I'm just, I am always amazed and just shocked at how many women will settle for a man who it like isn't even really into them just because what he, he has that job. He has that security. Um, he has that family that you want. He has that look, you know, because of what, and he's not invested in you. He, he, you called it sacrificial love. Like there, and I get that you aren't in love with the person right away, but there should be progressive signs that he has the ability to unconditionally love you. He has the ability to commit to you. You know, he has the ability to 
want you and to, desi- to desire you and not get distracted with the attention of other women or trying to get other women or looking around. And I'm just, I'm always amazed at the type of women who will settle for that type of man because they are valuing something that he brings to the table over his love for them. Mm. And it's just, it's so backwards and it's sad because then what do you get? You get that thing that you valued in, in place of valuing yourself. Mm. Wow. That's good star. Wow. (laughs) And I think also, you know, as we just realize that we are doing this in front of our kids and if we do it well, we're teaching our sons and our daughters how they should date well. And it's, it goes beyond valuing ourselves, but it's valuing the responsibility that God gave us as parents and being able to steward that well. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Star, tell us more about your resources and ways that listeners can continue to connect with you. So you can actually check out my podcast. I have the Confident Single Woman podcast, which I know you listen to. Um, so, yeah, so you can just do a, a Google search for that. You can go onto iTunes. It's called The Confident Single Woman. We have a Facebook group too, which is called The Confident Single Woman. I, I have an online dating academy as well, which I know we talked about that. Uh, so I know it can be really frustrating. So you can go to starburrows.com forward slash M-O-D-A. So it's called The Marriage Minded Online Dating Academy. Um, and there's lots of different lessons and um, there, starburrows.com forward slash Moda for M-O-D-A. <laughs> and then, if, I mean, I do work with clients as well. I have a group program that's full at the moment. Um, however, you can check out kind of what I do with my clients. You can go to my website. You can go to starburrows.com forward slash group coaching. Oh, and one more thing, Michelle, I want to say, like we talked about standards a little bit. I have this, just like a free, I think it's like seven questions to ask yourself to help you determine your uh, standards. You can go to starburrows.com forward slash standards. And so it's just, I, I essentially ask you seven simple questions to help you kind of figure out what your standards are. Oh my gosh, that is so good. I am going to go check that out right now. And I will have links to all of these in the show notes. So if someone's driving and didn't have a chance to jot all that down, that will have that available so that you can just click on it and go straight to Star and get yourself started on a journey to healthy relationships and healthy dating. What I learned through this conversation and through Star's podcast and just the experiences of my life Am I ready? Answering that question really has more to do with developing a sense of confidence in who God made me to be so that I'm able to actually take on the process of finding a match. The dating process is not always super straightforward and there are times where we may not exactly show up the way that we wish that we could, but when we know what is special and unique inside of us, we're able to look at some of these situations and just say, well, I learned something from that or I learned something about a person from that and it takes the edge off of the whole experience so that I can just walk into it with open eyes, seeing what God wants me to see. I hope you gained as much out of this conversation as I did. And if you have further questions, I'd love to hear them. You can contact me over at agapemoms.com and fill out the contact form there or follow along on social, Facebook and Instagram at agapemoms. Your feedback on this podcast is so critical as well. So if you would leave a review wherever it is you happen to download this podcast, it helps not only me to understand what it is that I can do to serve you better, but it also helps other women 
to find community here, knowing that they are not alone. We're all going through these things together. Thank you for joining me in this episode today. I just pray that you would know God's love for you and his presence in your life today. And I look forward to having you with me next time.